Living Corporate is brought to you by Doximity. Over 90% of graduating medical students join Doximity to use our tools before earning their doctoral degree. As medicine's largest network, there's an elevated level of responsibility to everything we do. We don't take that responsibility lightly and are committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. If you want to learn more about Doximity, make sure you go to your app store, type in D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. That's D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate, and my goodness gracious, if you're hearing this, you're hearing the voice of a man who just became a father of two little girls. You know what I'm saying? I got Emery, and I got Amon. I'm really thankful for my wife, thankful for, just thankful for life. It's just a really great season. Opportunities abound. Living Corporate continues to grow family continues to grow, uh, relationships continue to develop and mature, it's appreciative of clarity, especially in a season that is uh, most noted with change, right, we're in the fall, coming up on Q4, a time to reflect, a time to uh, just uh, make sure everything's in place, not coming up on Q4, we're in Q4, uh, but just a time to to really make sure that um, you're setting yourself up well for the new year. And I'm thankful for where Living Corporate is, where I am, where my family is. I'm going to tell you, I'm also thankful for this conversation I was able to have with April Ryan. All right. Now, everybody who's listening to this show should know who April Ryan is. All right. She did it in the game 25 plus years as a White House, White House correspondent, as uh, a journalist of well-renowned, okay, of world-renowned. And we talk about a few things. We laughed a lot. We also talked a good bit about her book, uh, Black Women Will Save the World. All right. So make sure you check out this conversation. And um, listen, you know, it's important that you understand that Black women not only will save the world, but Black women have been saving the world. And we talk about that. So I'm not going to like give away too much, but again, um, and the name of the book is Black Men Will Save the World and Anthem. All right. We, uh, we're excited about the conversation. Before we get to that conversation, we're going to go ahead and pivot over to our latest addition to Workplace Democracy. And then after that, we'll be back with our interview. Talk to you soon. When you're building a culture of belonging, every word counts. That's why Textio brings the world's most advanced language insights into your hiring and employer brand content. Our industry-leading approach to artificial intelligence and machine learning provides the tools needed to find more diverse candidates. In short, Textio builds more equitable workspaces, guiding businesses and writing more inclusive job posts. And we're building on that success by bringing even more products to the market for all people who share our belief that language matters. Words have power. And at Textio, we harness that power to increase the access and availability of value-driven work for everyone. Living Corporate is brought to you by Doximity. Doximity is committed to fostering an inclusive and diverse work environment where differences are valued, practices are equitable, and employees experience a sense of belonging that allows them to bring their full, authentic selves daily. 
As medicine's largest network, there's an elevated level of responsibility to everything we do. We don't take that responsibility lightly and are committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. So if you want to learn more about Doximity, go to your app store and type in D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. Again, that's D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. Welcome back to the Workplace Democracy podcast segment brought to you by the Living Corporate Network. I'm your host, Tyra Robinson, an attorney licensed to practice in the state of Maryland. Thanks so much for tuning in again to the podcast segment that informs you about strategies to protect your rights as a professional employee. During this segment, we're going to talk about working virtually. This is a topic that's become more prevalent over the past couple of years, and therefore there's not a well-established body of law the same as there is for the physical workplace. That doesn't mean the workplace protection laws don't apply at all. But the question does become, what obligations do employees and employers have in virtual or hybrid workplaces? One example of potential workplace harassment as discussed in an article in the show notes is an employee using their digital avatar to send racist or discriminatory messages or harassment that begins in a virtual setting but also extends to a physical workplace. As you engage in virtual or hybrid work, think about this new landscape and how it might affect you. What might change and what might stay the same? Although the mechanism may be different, as a professional employee, you may want to approach situations such as these with a view that discrimination and harassment is discrimination and harassment wherever it occurs. And therefore, whatever reporting process your employer has in place, you'll want to follow it if you think you're experiencing harassment or discrimination in a virtual workplace. So this is another topic that you may want to keep in mind. Thanks again for listening to Workplace Democracy, brought to you by the Living Corporate Network and myself, Tyra Robinson. I hope you'll tune in every segment to learn more about how to bring democracy to your workplace. Please understand this podcast segment is only intended for educational purposes and it's not a replacement for individualized legal advice. You should always seek the services of a licensed attorney who will look at the specific facts of your individual circumstance if you're contemplating legal action. Additionally, the views expressed in this podcast are my own and are not reflective of my employer. Living Corporate is brought to you by Textio. Today's top talent is everywhere, representing everyone. And our work environment should reflect the level of inclusion to meet that standard. Textio achieves this in building more equitable company cultures through the language we use in our job postings. That culture is formed one hire at a time, making the words we use to reach more diverse candidates all the more important. Our advanced language insights and employer brand content is what drives our mission of inclusion. Through our industry-leading application of artificial intelligence and machine learning, we're able to widen companies' reach in finding and building upon the very diverse talent that empowers a culture of belonging. Every door should be open to every qualified job seeker. Again, that's Textio. Living Corporate is brought to you by Doximity. Doximity helps over 2 million medical professionals. We are the largest medical network that includes over 80% of physicians and over 50% of physician assistants and nurse practitioners. We don't take that responsibility lightly and committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond 
our virtual office walls. If you want to learn more about Doximity, check out your app store at D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. That's D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. Miss April Ryan. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm sitting here in New York City, city of dreams with you, and ready to just get into this. And so glad that you would think enough of me to have you on your show. Oh my goodness. Now you're about to make me blush for real. Okay, this is crazy. I'm so honored for you to be here. Look, I'm going to be honest. I feel like we can go a bunch of different directions, different places, but but let's start now with your time um, you've been in now. Look, you're not. You are. You are not new to this. You are true to this. It's been over 25 years of journalism. You've been a White House correspondent for 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 quite some time. Not just during the Trump administration, but I do want to ask you about your time as a White House correspondent during the Trump administration. So many of us, I recall, were cheering you on as you held Trump and Sean Spicer and Sarah Huckabee Sanders and the rest of their cronies to task with poise in the face of blatant disrespect. And I recall like on Twitter, you know, like we caught you in gifts. You kind of looking at them like, what? I know you're not talking to me. Like this is like, what is going I've been retrieving my means. I, I'm honest, <laughs> I, honestly, I've been retrieving my means. I'm trying to put them in my phone. I'm like, I'm like, what were you thinking, April? I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I've been, and I've been sending, to, sending them to a couple of friends. And they're like, why are you sending me your meme? Because I can. <laughs> well, it's just so honest. And like, and again, like I, I, I bring up your, I invoke your experience, which we're going to talk about more in this conversation. Um, for for reason like did any of that like given the fact that again like you have been you are seasoned but did any of that feel surreal to you in the moment it was it was shocking all in the moment um and i talk about it in the book it was so shocking um it, it was unbelievable and you couldn't write you couldn't imagine writing a story about this um, it was one of those moments where uh, you didn't know where it was going and mm. if it would even end. Mm. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book. You know, maybe some of those honest moments of the means uh, created some consternation too in that prior administration. But for sure, I was one of the ones who was targeted by the administration, a lot of them black women. And what I've learned when people target you and put a narrative out about you, the best way you can defend yourself, you don't sit there and let them talk about you. Take the pen and write the story yourself. Tell the truth. And I did that with this book. I came back because so many black women were vilified to include myself the last administration and I want to celebrate us our greatness our strength our push forward our efforts to save the democracy as well so it was tough but my solution is this moment well let me say this you know um in in um in preparing for this interview I went back and I looked at uh, 
what I'd like to call as, as, as now you have several greatest hits, but I think of like the last like eight years, I, I, I think like the latest greatest hits. And I think about the times where you were on um, like CNN panels and you were having conversations where you said, you told us, Hey, I'm not going to let you spin this. No, like you, like to your point around t- telling your story, even before you were writing, you wrote this book or this book has been coming ready for us to, to receive, like you've been vocal and you've been, you have, I've, I've haven't seen you take things laying down. Like you really, um, advocate for yourself in an, in an honest, unapologetic and, um, and high integrity way. So, so that's incredible and it's encouraging and I'm excited to get to the book. Now I, we're going to get to this book now, but, but I have some more questions. This is really one of the reasons. And, and, and like you said, if you don't speak up, those things stick and you are not going to lie on me and you're not going to call me out of my name without me pushing back. And this is one way I can push back for history's sake, because if you let it go, history will write, okay, this is who she was. Mm-hmm. Not only was she long and serving, she was this, 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 and this, mm-hmm. according to what they But what I say with my receipts, making it rain with receipts, <laughs> this is who I, this is who we've been. Yes. So it's so important for, for, to mark the moment, to write about the moment. So people can see the truth. There are always various sides and varying sides to the story. But if I'm in it and I'm living it, I'm gonna tell you how I felt, what I saw and what happened and give you some receipts at the same time. Amen. Now, now a little bit of levity, a little bit before we get into it. I do have a real question for you is, did you eat that pie that Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, gave you? No, 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 no. (laughs) I did a van on black with it, you know, held it up, showcased it. It was heavy. <laughs> I ate that pie. When she was making the pie, she's like, come on, eat my pie. I was like, no. She said, I'm not putting anything in it. And people said, oh, Sarah, everything Sarah is going to poison her. No. My mom and my daddy used to tell me, my late mother and father used to tell me, don't eat anything from someone who doesn't like you. Come on now. So it doesn't mean she was going to poison it, but who knew what would have fallen in it by mistake, you know? I was not going to put out. That's what I'm saying. So, and she showed her, she showed her disdain for me later on. So I'm glad I never ate that nap or that pie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh man, I asked the question. I got the answer I wanted. Boy, thank you so much. All right. Now, um, related to all of this, um, you know, you're on CNN, like you're on national platforms, global platforms where you're you're having debates. And sometimes, you know, look, I recognize I engage and I'm like, I believe that Miss Ryan in this moment is being authentic. But sometimes like when you're talking to these people who are being so loudly white supremacists, I sometimes parts of me wonder, like, how much of this is a grift and how much of this is how they actually act like. You talk to these people off camera. Like we've had Dr. Jason Johnson on a couple times and he's been like, look, they're not all like that for real on like off camera. How like how real, how authentically awful are some of these people that we be seeing on these panels? <laughs> you know, there's there's you know, you always want to be cordial. Yeah. You always be cordial. Um I'm cordial. We're cordial. Yeah. But we say what we say, and we're cordial, say hello and goodbye. I mean, you know, if you are swearing me down the things that I don't believe, we don't see eye to eye. And sometimes we may or may not break bread in another setting. But it's, I don't know. I, I, I find myself a lot of times um, alone. 
because mm. not alone, but pretty much moving. I'm not phony. You know, yeah. if I say what I say, and you say what you say, and then, you know, it is what it is. And I, because if that's what you feel in your heart and you say it publicly, something is there. It's, it doesn't jive with where I am. And especially if you attack me. So that's it. I, I I appreciate that. Now now let's get to this. Now you know let's talk about your book. Black women will save the world. First off, why the name? Because we save the world. Amen. <laughs> Black women have, will, and are saving the world. Can you say Tanchi Brown Jackson? Can you say hmm. Maxine Waters? Say Keisha Lance Bombs? Can you say Stacey Abrams? Can you say every woman, every black woman? who is lifting up their children, going to PTAs, who are in schoolhouse, church house, workhouse, anywhere, making a difference and other people are getting the glory for it. How about mm. that? You know, um, it's so important. I, this book has been in my spirit for many years, um, for many years. And the stars started lining up. And it was that moment. It was that moment. You know, I've heard you, I've heard you in other interviews it, up in New York and other places talking about this book. Um, and I, I hear a lot of, I hear a journey in the, in, in writing it and putting it together. What emotional journey did you go through in like putting this book together and, and, and telling these stories and, and, and sharing your own, your own experiences? A lot of the stories mirrored with mine and the emotional pieces, like when Keisha Lance Bottom said things like, uh, when she was mayor of of uh, Atlanta, you know, she would make decisions. Now, here she is, the mayor of a major economy. Here she is, the mayor uh, in a city that has a number of Fortune 500 companies. Here she is, the mayor of a city that has the largest airport. And someone would question her, like, who told you that? Like, she can't think for herself, okay? Hmm. Then you get in rooms where people don't look like you, and you say, do I belong? Like mm -hmm. Valerie Jarrett said, Valerie Jarrett. You know, I identify with a lot of that because of the haunts of the past, the ghosts of our past, from slavery to here, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of stuff in that book, a lot of words, a lot of um, truths in that book that I identified with as a leader and then as a black woman and as a mother. And then there's a part in the back part of the book called um, the adultification of our girls. Mm. I apologize to my daughter, my oldest daughter, because at the end of the day, you know, I'm a divorced mother. I'm that statistic. Mm. Um, and I don't believe in statistics because I break the mold because I'm not going to let you put me in a box. Amen. But I said, it, I said, you know, I'm, you know, when, when I first got divorced, guys, we're, we're the three musketeers. And I said, we're going to do this together. And there were times maybe that, you know, she watched her sister or, you know, she did her laundry, you know, or what have you. And I told her, I said, you know, I said, if I matured you too soon, I'm sorry. Um, and that was real because a lot of us are out here doing it by ourselves. And we have our children. We work together with them. But... That young girl said, Mommy, I'm fine. But mm -hmm. what it did for her learning to wash her clothes, she's in college now. She knew how to wash her clothes. She knows how to cook. She can cook a mean meal. Yeah. And she loved bake and cook. I said, okay, since you like it, if you want to make a meal, sometimes you can. And she, she was like, I would wake up 
at one o'clock in the morning, I hear the pants going, I'm like, who's that? She's in the kitchen. She go to sleep and then wake up making cookies. I said, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, is she going to be a pastry chef? Is she going to be uh, uh, the next, uh, one of the next, uh, you know, one of those uh, cooking contests? Yeah. She was amazing. Um, and I was just like, um, she's amazing with what she does. And she takes on these skills and she runs with it. And I told her, I said, if you want to ever cook. And she would make meals from time to time. But in writing the adultification of children, I, you know, told her it really hit me. I said, if I did anything to you, you know, to change your trajectory from being a child to more adult sooner, uh, be more of an adult sooner, I said, forgive me. She said, no. So that touched my heart. But, you know, in writing this book, there's so many things that really hit me, mm-hmm. you know, from, from, uh, Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, how sisterhood, the coming together of community of black women, um, you know, when there's a test, one of the black women mayors would say, oh, I've been through that. And they gave the testimony to help to get the sister through it mm-hmm. or the access, you know, and I found that in the black um, attorney generals who are across the nation who've been vilified for their fight. Uh, on this voting rights thing and and this election uh, issue. Um, So many women in so many different sectors are coming together in this sisterhood. And I want to speak about it and talk about it to validate and lift up black women because a lot of times we are alone and we get the kids together in the morning, got to go to work, get the the office together. Then after that, we go to the PTA meeting to get them together or go to the church house because we trustees or deaconesses or whatever and get them together. Mm. But who's getting us together? And this is that piece to salute them, to salute all of us as we rise even higher to higher levels, bringing on more pressure to save people. And you know, one of the things in writing this book, I found that when women go into elected office, and I dare to say that, um, just in any office looking to move things higher, that we go for the love, we go for nurturing and caring and fixing the community versus men who pretty much go, a lot of times studies have found, this according to Cornell Belcher, brilliant quarters, power and ego. Mm -hmm. So women are there to move the community forward. Men are there for, wow, this is ego and this is power. Mm. It's interesting. I mean, Miss Ryan, it's 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 incredible. Um, and I I do see it the the book in large part as a as a love note and a and an embrace to to black women. And you're absolutely right. Earlier, you said because black women been saving the world. Um, you said something also about and you're one hundred percent right. I mean, all, the history points to it. Anytime you see anything of real, really, truly, um, true significance, a black woman was involved somewhere. Everything that we look around in America and the the world at large. Um, you talked about being alone. Um, what do you believe are some ways that corporate America could help support black women be less alone in their journeys, especially as they're getting into their newer, getting into the workplace? You've, you've, I'm certain, I'm confident you've seen a lot. I'm confident you've reached back and helped a lot. What do you believe and how do you believe corporate America is is not best setting black women up for success? I'm glad you said that. A friend of mine, I don't want to give her name because she, she she made this testimony at a woman's gathering. And I was like, wow, that's so major. And we had a conversation about it a couple of weeks ago 
But she said when she went into this um, major company that you all know, and I don't want to give the name, she said when you went to the major company, she went to the major company, she had asked, um, she had asked, you know, uh, they wanted, well, they wanted her, the corporate leaders wanted her. And she says, okay, you want me. So what will you do to help me? And how will I win in this company as a black woman? She said the person who was going to hire her said, wait a minute, let me get back to you. And he went and talked to HR, talked to everyone to ensure that she would come in and she could win and wow. she would be viable and, and she can move up in that company. That was bold. I said, what did they do when you said that? That was bold. But they wanted her so much so that they came back with an answer and they're standing by their word. Corporate America, we should not have to ask. Miss hmm. Ryan, there should be there should be efforts in place to have a win, to ensure that we are winning, and ensure that we can move from this space that you hire us to to bring us to the next level and the next level, into higher spaces. Miss Ryan, this has been a phenomenal conversation. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your for your candor as always, for your authenticity, um, and and I'm excited about everyone checking out. The book, uh, Black Women, Women Save the World. And yes, the link's in the show notes. Everybody needs to check it out. Pause what you're doing. Pull over the side of the road. Put your ass's lights on. Shake your little cones out. Put the flare up. Download the link in the show. Don't do all this while you're driving. Do it right now. All right? Pause and do it right now. Miss um, Ryan, you're a friend of the show. You're, you're welcome to come back anytime. Look, I'm going to tell Sarah to bake <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. I... I'd love to talk to you another time, but please don't have, please, if please, now let me tell you something. If I could have you on the show again, I might look at the pie. I might look at the pie if I could have you on the show again, but I'm not putting it in my mouth. Close the holiday time, Mr. Pie. <laughs> Bacon those, okay? <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Be well. <laughs> God bless. Bye-bye. And we're back, yo. Shout out to April Ryan, shout out to her team, shout out to the incredible work that she's done in writing this book for Black Women Will Save the World and Anthem. If you haven't checked it out yet, click the link in the show notes, buy it right now, all right? You know what I'm saying? Get Just get a copy right now, you know what I'm saying? I appreciate April Ryan's team sending me the, a book for free, you know what I'm saying? That's one of the several perks that come and privileges and benefits that come with building living corporate. And I'm going to just tell you. I love the book. It is phenomenal. And I can't wait to read it to my two black daughters who are also going to be a part of saving this world. Now, something though, before I get up out of here, I do want to say, I feel compelled to say, black women have been saving the world. And it's important that everyone else, particularly I'm talking to men, um, white men, we already know they are at, they are chief responsible, but I'm going to talk to my black men here we have an accountability to support black women we have an accountability to create a world where they do not feel so compelled to have to save it all the time because they're chiefly trying to save themselves we have a, a responsibility and accountability to create safe inclusive spaces for black women we do we do and it, black women cannot be a speed bump or some type of um, developmental arc in how we become responsible citizens and adults it's important for us to pro practice proper allyship and
in partnership by supporting black women, not just black women who um, are in our immediate family or black women who we're in some sort of um, romantic relationship with or black women we want to get something from. We have a responsibility and an accountability to make a safer world, a more inclusive world, a more empowering world for all black women, period. So that's my charge for those listening. And just as a reminder, we can't just continue to cheer on the least of these as they do all the heavy lifting. We have accountability to pick up the plow and also get to work. And that does not just mean toiling uh, doing tasks, but it also means challenging the systems and structures that create inequitable environments uh, that really make superherodom so needed in the first place, right? We really should live in an environment in and in a, in a world where no one has to perform Herculean tasks for uh, for survival, okay? That being said, thank you for listening to Living Corporate. Again, shout out to April Ryan. I continue to be blessed and thankful for Living Corporate. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you give us five stars on the podcast. Check out the website. Make a profile. You can listen to this conversation and so many more on living-corporate.com. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.